0: All right. Well, my family and I have had an interesting couple of weeks. Um, Some some of you know, most of you know at least some of the story. Um, But two weeks ago, my wife and I were coming right back into town from a little getaway. Um, We'd been in the process of listing our home and finding a new one and everything was just on track. And we were about a week away from selling our house and buying another one and we had gotten a little getaway in New York. And so two weeks ago, our plane was coming into Knoxville, and we landed, and I had a missed call from my real estate agent. And in the baggage claim, I call him back and find out the house we're trying to buy is falling through one week before closing. So anyways, like, I, I like to plan. I like to be on top of things. I like to have all the ducks in a row. And so this didn't really jive with my normal mode of operating. And um, what's unfolded over the last couple of weeks has been been crazy. And so there's a version of these last couple of weeks where um, I've struggled very personally. I can't speak for my family. I'm sure they have their own emotions. I've struggled with everything from anger to fear to confusion, um, complete frustration, um, and struggled with a total lack of control. And it's been comical almost to watch what's happened over time. So So we find out we might be losing this house. We spend a few days trying to resolve the issue. We can't. And so, you know, being homeless in and of itself is scary. When you have six kids and two dogs, and you've got like a handful of days to figure out where to live, you know, you start calling rental people and go, hey, I need a short-term place. Here's my situation. You get hung up on really fast when you've got that many kids and animals. So it was kind of a crazy situation. Um, And so... The lady that we were selling our house to, here's what's going on. She's like, I'll tell you what, you guys can rent it back for me for an extra week to give you more time to find something. Awesome. Thank you. That's so sweet. Three days later, the washing machine we sold her with the house starts leaking all over the laundry room. Okay, that's awesome. Um, go to Alex's beautiful celebration of life service last Sunday night. Get in my car to leave. Nothing. Car won't start. Car's at the mechanic like several days all this week. Our daughter Abby gets sick and nobody knows why. They think maybe it's strep, but then the pediatrician was super paranoid. And so she's, she's throwing out words like meningitis and Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever and things that can like kill you if you don't get them addressed. And we're like, what is happening? Like this was all like two or three days I had to like write these things down because I don't even think I can remember all of them. Um, Abby's fine, by the way. She's good. She got some awesome antibiotics and kicked that. So there's this version of our last couple weeks that just felt totally out of control and confusing and frustrating. And it was like the the hits kept coming. Um, and thankfully, by God's grace, he, he began to really get my attention in a way that I needed him to. Um, and... He, he kind of took me back through a couple of things. Number one, he reminded me of what it was like when we moved here. Of how when you're going into a new territory and a new place, everything's kind of upside down. But that it's an adventure. And like through that, he does really cool things. And so I'm standing in my house, my old house, the first house we ever bought in Knoxville. And we're clearing it out and it's almost empty. And I'm, actually it's completely empty. I'm doing the walkthrough with the lady we were selling it to, our final walkthrough. And I'm standing in the living room and I start telling her about how the first three months of our church were in that living room. And the God, God was just reminding me of how he uses those difficulty trying situations to do something glorious and beautiful. And I started to reach a point where when, when the craziness was happening, I just started laughing about it. And Amy and I kind of just looked at each other and we're like, we're just not going to let the enemy have the final say in this. Like God's up to something. It's going to work out. We'll be all right. And... God did, like our friends were flexible and helped us move in the middle of the week. Um, a friend of a friend helped us get into a small little house where we can camp out for a few weeks. Um, a killer house showed up on the market this past week that we love better than the one we lost and we're under contract for it. And it's just been incredible to watch. But, but here's the thing, even in the cool ways God was redeeming it, he was reminding me like your hope's not in that either. Like your, your hope is in me. Your trust is in me. And so we finally were starting to get settled into this little rental property. And I walk into the living room. And many of you guys know my wife is Amy for her chalkboard wall art stuff. She does really beautiful stuff. Well, my daughter Ashley took this small little frame. um, And we're not you doing that one yet, buddy. Small little frame and hung this little chalkboard wall in our little rental house. And she had drawn on there, home is wherever I'm with you. And um, is it the Lumineers that sang that song? Yeah. Okay, anyways, I just it just struck me. And it was like the Lord was like communicating with me through my daughter's chalkboard art. Home is wherever I'm with you. And he just reminded me like he is our home and he's got us. Now, the reason I share that story is, number one, um, I just I like to be transparent with you guys, and I, I want to invite you all into our lives, and we want to walk with you. Um, but there's also a purpose in it. Um, I'm sharing that story with you because um, God was showing me through the real-life circumstances of what we're walking through um, the stuff I want to talk about for the next six to eight weeks. We're starting a new series, and this series is called Lynchpin. And the idea behind this is what anchors us. Do we know what anchors us and then do we live accordingly? See, it's one, th- it's one thing to know what is your source, what's your foundation, what's your anchor. And a lot of people don't even have that. But I also believe for a lot of us um, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we can spout some things that our lives are based on. We can rattle off some truth and go, that's the anchor of my soul. But, but I know in my own life how rarely I'm actually holding on and living based on that truth. I'm living my life according to what is the anchor of my soul. And so we're going to be doing this study called Lynchpin, and we're going to be looking at the book of Deuteronomy. Did anybody just get really excited when they heard me say the, the word Deuteronomy? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure the only thing that would terrify you more is if I said we were studying the book of Leviticus. Yeah, or numbers, right? It's, but it's all kind of in that same zone. Um, and so, um, why are we studying the book of Deuteronomy? That is now my goal for the rest of this sermon this morning, is to hopefully help us all understand why we're going to study this Old Testament book of the law. It's, it's one of the first five books of the Bible. Um, you know, those books are called the, the Torah or the Law of Moses. Why, why are we studying that? What is that about? And so my goal this morning is to to answer that question and to kind of set the stage of where we're heading in this series. So let me pray one more time, because we're going to need prayer to dive into the book of Deuteronomy, so it would come alive to us, Um, and then we'll jump into this. So Lord, thank you for your love and your faithfulness. God, thank you that you are the anchor of our souls, and Lord, thank you that our home is with you, and since you are ever-present, all-powerful, all-knowing and you love us, we are going to be all right. And so God, would you anchor that truth in us this morning? Make your word come alive. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was assuming that was you, John. Thanks for the confirmation. All right. Yeah, a little worship back there. All right. So, um, in case you don't know, we're very family-friendly here. We we love having the kiddos in here, so we're all good. All right, so we're going to cover three things this morning. I'm going to give you a brief overview of the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to talk to you guys about some key themes and ideas that we're going to cover in this series. And then finally, we're going to unpack a little bit why this is called linchpin. So here we go, an overview of the book of Deuteronomy. First of all, for some context, everybody in here relatively familiar with Moses, at least heard the name before. Um, how, how many people have actually seen the old Charlton Heston movie? Is that was it? The Ten Commandments. Is that what it was called? Ten Commandments. Yeah, I vaguely. I have some vague memories as a kid of seeing that movie. So Moses, Moses, at this point in the story, is now an, an old man. He's been he's been leading the children of Israel for almost forty years through the wilderness. And essentially what's been happening is he's been waiting for the next generation to grow up because they're the ones that are going to move into the promised land and take new territory. And so at first glance, the book of Deuteronomy just sort of seems like a repeat of information. But what the book of Deuteronomy actually is, is the old, wizened veteran Moses preparing to hand the baton to Joshua and the next generation. And he is hearkening back and encouraging them towards the future. It's a legacy moment. He is leaving a legacy and spurring on the next generation to be who they're called to be and do what they're called to do. So that's the context. He's, he's getting ready. In fact, by the end of the book of Deuteronomy, he dies. He is right at the end of his life. And so this is this is his legacy passing moment. I love the way Warren Wearsby um, frames the book of Deuteronomy, he describes it like this. This is the outline. It's looking back. It's looking within. It's looking ahead. And then it's looking up. So let me unpack that for you a little bit. It's looking back. Moses is reminding the next generation about their people's history. Now, that is no small thing. And, and if we're paying attention to what's happening in, in our, our context right now in our world, history is being attacked, big time. And it's actually something that can happen with almost every generation. There, there are generally two types of reactions to looking back at the previous generation or several generations. We either rewrite history and try to change it and frame it to the way we wanna view things moving forward or we overly celebrate it with nostalgia and rose-colored glasses like it was just this beautiful time that is far gone when in reality, life is life. We We should be able to look at history honestly and with some gratitude. And that's what Moses is doing. He's he's saying, look, there are some things that have laid a solid foundation for you to move forward on. And we should be grateful from the, the previous generation and the things that God has done and said to give us some firm footing to walk forward. But also, we should be able to learn from the mistakes of our parents and grandparents. Be honest about them and learn from them and be able to grow forward. An an honest view of history has has a sense of gratitude because we wouldn't even be able to stand where we are without the past. But also with some honesty to say, hey, I'm not going backward. I wanna learn and grow forward. And so that's how Moses approaches it. And we'll spend some time unpacking that in more detail. But he looks back and he says, hey, here's some, some incredible things God has done in our midst. And man, here's some ways that your parents blew it. Now, are you going to sit around and mope? Or are you going to step up and do what you're called to do in your day, in your generation? See, Jesus told us the measure we use in judgment will be measured onto us. And if I spend too much time just judging harshly some old generation, instead of staring today in the face and grabbing hold of it and facing it, That same measure is gonna be used on me by my kids and grandkids. So let's walk with some humility and some honesty. So we'll look back and see what we can learn. We look within. He gives them a reminder of God's law and he makes it very personal. He invites them to understand it and to apply it in their life and to be who they're called to be. Then he looks ahead and he says, listen, here's what's in front of you. Here's the opportunity There's this incredible promised land that's been talked about for generations now, all the way back to Father Abraham back in the day when God said, here's the land I'm gonna give your descendants one day. We're now there 400 years later. We're about to go in. It's an an incredible opportunity and it's gonna be incredibly difficult to take that territory. Now that may just seem like a history lesson, but the truth is when we face our own unique futures of what God has for us, a new town, a new city, a new job, a new relationship, a new life, a new child comes in. Like, we face new all the time. And there are opportunities in that, and there are real challenges to be faced. And Moses talks honestly about both. He inspires them to take that territory, and he warns them, you are going have to have to approach this the right way in order to be able to take the ground God has for you. And then, and I love this about the book of Deuteronomy, he doesn't stop there. He then also tells them what they're going to do once they've got what they were chasing after. Because he warns them, sometimes once you've got a hold of what you wanted, the trouble comes after that. You can get lazy. You can get complacent. You can take it for granted. And so he warns them how to keep what they've already grabbed a hold of. And then finally, he looks up. He looks up. And the, 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 the book of Deuteronomy closes with um, a baton pass to Joshua and worship of God and a blessing spoken over the people. So that's, that's an overview of the book of Deuteronomy. Um, if I was going to give you kind of a visual, like if you're not a, not a note taker and there's all the bullet points, here's the visual. Um, Anybody in here, uh, an Olympics fan, you ever watch the Olympics when they come around? I know World Cup is kind of the thing right now, but I have an Olympics analogy, not a World Cup analogy. Sorry. Um, Track and field. When the Olympics come around, there's track and field, and there's the relay, right, where you get like four really fast runners, and one of the most fascinating things about the relay is these guys have to figure out how to not lose too much speed and momentum, although they lose some, and hand the baton forward, but as someone's handing it forward, there's another person there, right? They are grabbing it from behind and then running with it. And so there's this transition moment, and in the transition, things slow down a little bit, and you got to get the handoff right. And then you got to speed back up and run the race, but then it doesn't end with that person, Their job, then, is to hand off the baton well to the next person running the race. One of the dangers of our American individualized society is we think the world is about me. Now, God cares about me, and he loves me, and he does have a plan for me, but I am a part of a much larger story that is going on. And part of living life well is learning to take the baton from the old generation, run your race well, and hand it off to the next generation. If our life doesn't involve passing things on that we've received, we're missing it. We're missing it. And this book focuses a lot on that. Man, Deuteronomy chapter six is a classic picture of how we take all that God has given us and we talk about it with our family and our friends and we instill it in our lives and we live it and we pass that DNA on to the next generation. And so that is the book of Deuteronomy. It's a relay race. It's about how our legacy is wrapped up in the past, in this present moment that we're living and on into the future. That's what it's about. Anybody here familiar with John Maxwell? You heard the name John Maxwell before? I was kind of most, he's been on my radar the most in like the early 2000s, I feel like. Late 90s, early 2000s, he had some like leadership stuff that he kind of became known for. Prior to that, he was a pastor for years. And he taught through a series on the book of Deuteronomy and actually wrote a commentary on it. And I I love the way that he describes the book of Deuteronomy and how he tried to approach it and how he tried to communicate it. And if I can get like 10% of this, that would be awesome. I'd be thrilled with that. So here's John Maxwell talking about the book of Deuteronomy. He says, I want to do what Deuteronomy itself does. Bring the power of the past to bear on the present with an eye to the future. When this happens, Deuteronomy should come alive and breathe spiritual renewal into the personal histories of its readers. My hope is that this book comes alive for us and that it equips us to run our race for the long haul. That's, that's my hope and prayer for this series. So here's how we're going to approach, approach the book, right? That was kind of the overview. The way we're going to approach the book is we're going to look at some key themes and ideas. Um, that looks fun. We're going to look at some key themes and ideas, but we're we're not doing, um, we're not doing a verse-by-verse, verse slow working through of the book. What we're actually going to do is we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy through the lens of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at it through his eyes. The book of Deuteronomy is the book of the Bible that Jesus quoted the most other than the book of Psalms. He missed it by about a couple quotes. Psalms got a few more from him. He quoted this book all the time. In fact, if we roll the whole law of Moses together and include Leviticus and Numbers and Exodus... Jesus quoted the book of the law more than any other part of the Old We probably can't get it back out, but we also can't notch it in and get it into the living room. And I mean, we're taking the legs off of it. Like, we are arm wrestling this couch. And Tommy is pinned between the couch, the wall, and the door. And we're just like, (laughs) I'm super frustrated and annoyed. It's just like, really? Can we just not get this couch in here? It was like the last piece of furniture. We're wrestling with this thing. So we determined the thing we have to do is take the door off the hinge to get it in. And so we're sitting there hammering out out the little peg, the little linchpin that's in there to hold the door. And so you do that and the door starts wobbling and coming off and then eventually we take it off the hinges and it made space and we got it in, it worked out. But it was like, it was this right in my face visual of what we're talking about, of how important a linchpin is if we don't know what holds us or anchors us, then what is the opposite of that? We become unhinged. And that's the world we're living in. Jesus says, this is what your life should be hinged upon. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. That word hang, that's a linchpin. Jesus says the entire Bible is about loving God fully with your full self. Really, even in like a sacrificial way. Like if I'm loving him with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, that's worship. I'm to love him like that. I give him the proper place. And it's not this vague emotional thoughts that I have towards a God that I can't quite see. He tethers me to reality by saying, Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is linked to loving people well. So well that you love them the way you want to be loved. Well, we have a society that is doing the opposite of all of this. We deny God, we reject Him, and we base life on self. And we are becoming truly unhinged, it's broken. And so if we're going to find a path forward in this life, we've got to be rooted and anchored in this simple truth that is incredibly radical. I find myself, I'm, I don't trust myself anymore. As I've, as I've grown and walked with the Lord and being a pastor, I actually like have learned to, to trust myself less. That might sound, sound weird to you, but one of the things I don't trust is <laughs> my ability to be so familiar with words and phrases from the scripture that they lose all their power and meaning in my life. That is just something I rattle off. Like, I just love God and love people and I'll be all right. If that's just easy for you to say and act like it'll just automatically happen, we're missing it. That's like the hardest thing you could ever do. Have you met people? <laughs> I've met people It's really hard to love people. It's really hard for my people to love me. (laughs) It's difficult. It's tough, man. It's a hard road. But it's the right road. It's a good road. It is what God has intended for us. He made us to be united, to be bound to him, to be anchored in him, to recognize his incredible love towards us and our ability to respond and love him back and then to walk in real love with one another where I'm preferring others above myself. I'm learning to love well and sacrificially. Jesus says, that's how you live. That's, that's my message. And see, this wasn't just one random cro- quote from the book of Matthew. You know, there's times, w- because there's four gospels, right? There's times where they can tend to like repeat themselves a little bit, and so you can see the same story in a few different places. And so all three gospels have a quote similar to this. They're different. They're not even the same story. Jesus talked about this all the time. There was a different scenario where he frames to somebody else what they think the Bible is all about. And they say, it's about this. And he says, you're right. And then they get nervous because they realize how difficult it is. And the Bible says that this teacher of the law tried to justify himself and said, well, who's my neighbor? Who do I really have to love? And that's when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. This this is what Jesus was about. He talked about this regularly. This was key for him and his story and his mission and what he was inviting us into. In fact, he told that guy, you're close to the kingdom of God. Loving God and loving people is what this life is about. Will that be the linchpin of our lives. There's this really um, kind of cool and unique story that is a little mysterious, but I, I want to kind of start to wrap things up with this visual picture for you. Um, is anyone familiar with the story of the, the, the transfiguration? Do you, have you heard that word before? there's this moment in time where Jesus and a couple of his core guys, like this is very core. This is like the top three bros, like his best buddies. And they go up on this mountaintop and they go up there and Moses and Elijah appear and have this interaction with Jesus. And the disciples are like, whoa, what is going on with this? There's Moses, there's Elijah. Whoa, this is a special place. Let's build some tabernacles and like, this is the new place where the temple should be. Like, that's their mentality. Like, this, this is the place of worship. And then they, they hear this voice thunder from heaven that, that qualifies Jesus, that magnifies who he is, and then Moses and Elijah disappear. And it is actually a physical, tangible picture and representation of this truth. The law and the prophets are rooted in Jesus Christ. They're rooted in him. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is exactly what Jesus Christ did. I don't know. There's such a mystery to the gospel. And so as as just a broken dude, a human being, like I'm thankful that God allows me to kind of take it in bite-sized pieces to digest it. You know, Jesus is mysterious. He's fully God. I 100% believe that with all my heart. He is fully God. He's fully man. I believe the scripture teaches that clearly. And somehow he came as a man in our place, on our behalf, for us, with us, and he lived this. He lived this. He loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he absolutely loved his neighbors like himself. He lived a life of sacrificial love. That word hang, that is the same exact word used for Jesus hanging on the cross for you and I. The linchpin the linchpin of the gospel message, the linchpin of loving God and loving people is Jesus Christ, sacrificially loving you and I. The story of Deuteronomy is not that we got to buck up and get it together and just love God and people perfectly all the time. There's no way. The, The linchpin of Deuteronomy is I am leaning on and trusting in my glorious savior, Jesus Christ, who has loved me well and he invites me to abide in him and to live life with him. And because I can do that, he gives me what I need to love God and love people and live a life of legacy and meaning that will be purposeful while I'm here and will help me to pass the baton on well. So, I mentioned my daughter had drawn on the chalkboard, and, um, you know, I wish that was the sweet end of the story, but the truth is I woke up the next morning, and one of my other rascally kids, one of her little siblings, in less than 12 hours had taken a paper towel and just smeared it, (laughs) just made it gone. And she was, like, so discouraged and frustrated and, like, it's just gone, so, you know, whatever, life with six kids. Sorry, Ashley, we didn't stop with you. Um, she didn't know I was gonna be talking about her so much this morning, sorry. <laughs> so a little bit of time passes and later in the evening that day, I walk back in the living room. This was yesterday, like afternoon. I walk back in the, in the living room. I would finished up most of my notes for, for today finally and I walk in and there on the chalkboard is this. And I don't know if you can see that. It says, Deuteronomy 31.6, for the Lord your God is the one who, go, who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. And I looked at Ash and I said, did you have any idea that I was starting a series on the book of Deuteronomy tomorrow? And she said, no. He's faithful. He's with us. He is our anchor point and our linchpin And if we will listen, he will go out of his way to communicate, I'm with you, I love you, and you are going to run this race well because you're doing it by my strength and because of my presence. I'm grateful that he's been communicating that to me in the midst of my messy brokenness. And I believe he has that for all of us. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you are our anchor point and our linchpin. God, I thank you that um, we we can hang our lives on you. We can depend upon you. God, that in the midst of a crazy, unhinged world, you give us solid, firm footing to walk on. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Because you are the living word, you make the Bible come alive and so God, I pray that you would make the, Deuteron- the book of Deuteronomy come alive in our hearts through this series. God, I pray for our week this week. Lord, that we could be anchored in your great love towards us and that it would give us hope that we can love you and love others well. God, would you help us to walk that out? Would you help us to have an eye towards the future and to pa- pass the baton well in the midst of running the race you have for us? God, I thank you for your promise that you never leave us and you never forsake us and that home is wherever we are with you. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.